The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. That's not me. This is, I'm just going to talk with you about some text and what we know and what my own experience has been because I am a very advanced age. So I've lived through many seasons and, uh, but I was in all of your seasons, whether you have new babies, which I just can hardly keep from reaching out and squeezing them, and uh, all, grade school kids, high school kids. I, uh, it's a life. It's a life. And it's a life we share together. And I just love when groups of women can get together to encourage each other. I went to moms. I was in the moms group when we started moms, which would have been in the mid-80s. Um, which most of you weren't born, were you? <laughs> so I have been married for 45 years. I have six children, five of them born to me, and a bonus daughter that came to us um, from our neighborhood at age 15. I have five grandchildren um, and one more coming in June. I've lived in the same house uh, for 42 years. I, from the very beginning, felt a calling to be a neighbor lady, and even that has changed uh, in different uh, chapters of my life, but I still feel real strongly. Matter of fact, today, a lady I met on the sidewalk when we were selling face masks off our front porch uh, reached out to me, and her building had a fire, and she needs to move stuff out, and she doesn't have a car, and could I pick up the things to take to the thrift store? I've only had a conversation with this lady twice, but she felt like she could call me to help her, and I thought, that's what neighbor ladies do. <laughs> so, um, so that's been just what I was wanting to be about, isn't that interesting? I totally felt that um, as a young woman. I married at 19, and I think it was at 20, and my friends owned a house, and I thought, I want to be a neighbor lady. Um, the text that you sent me is from 1 Peter, and normally in the old days, I would have run off copies for you, and um, I'm going to recommend some books to you, and um, and you can take notes, but... In this day and age with cell phones and, I mean, it's like you can get at anything now. But we used to mimeograph things. Um, so First Peter 4, 10 and following says, As each has received a gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves as the one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things God might be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever. So the first thing that I thought about, because this was the your topic is about using your gifts at this stage of life where you're very focused at home and meeting the needs of small people, um, which I believe is such a holy calling. And I commend you, whether you're working outside the home or you're home full time or working part time or whatever your situation is, um, the 
opportunity we have to impact our kids is massive. And I will say, you will impact them for good and for bad. You will, because you're human. And I, you have to fight. I think that's the great thing about knowing Christ and the cross and that all our uh, sins and omissions and commissions are erased because of the cross. Um, this has been a great hope to me. I always said the book that I will write is how to make every mistake possible in parenting. <laughs> and um, it would be a long book. Um, so I'm just so thankful and return again and again to God's sovereignty and his kindness and his grace um, to me and to you. So the thing that I thought about first is, what are gifts? And from this text, it's something we receive. Um, it's uh, the purpose of being given a gift is to serve others. Um, it's a way of bringing God near. Um, I thought about that from the, um, as a good, uh, whoever speaks as the one that is speaking the utterances of God. Um, I think when we speak and the Holy Spirit is filling us, we are bringing God near to the people that we're speaking to. Um, the manifold grace of God is toward you. If you have received a gift, God has looked at you and said, I am giving this to you and you and you. And um, they are purposely different than uh, everyone else around you. You are, um, and there's a reason for that. And we're going to talk a little bit about looking at other people and wishing you had their gift. And, um, and then uh, I think our gifts, if you look in the, um, if you look in the, I see the security guys. Hey, I'm going to email you. <laughs> They're from North Central. And uh we're on a crime committee together in our neighborhood. Sometimes that's what makes, makes you be a neighbor. Uh, we've had a really bad couple years in our neighborhood, really bad. But the, in the, in the um, Bible, there's lists of spiritual gifts, you know, uh, teaching, prophecy, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing. And, of course, the greatest is love they say, he says. But I think um, I want to relate this to the gifts that God is giving you are in alignment with who he made you to be. Um, and so that's what I want to focus on. I, there's books out there if you want to read about the, the lists that are in the New Testament. But every, it's all about serving. And you're the person that's doing the serving. And I believe God gifts you and fills you with his spirit um, using who you are, who he made you to be. Um, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whether you're a highly skilled mathematician or an artist or... Um, any, I mean, it's just endless because it's reflecting who God is and God is endless in his beauty. And the, the picture we paint of him is in accordance with that. And so when I have, ta I've talked to college students about this. I mean, in a lot of ways, I didn't know who I was. And I don't even want to tell you how old I was when I felt like I finally came into myself. And I'm not going to tell you. 
because you'd say, oh, I'll never be that old. Um, but what I've done with college students is had them think, what do you love? And this may be something you can talk about around your tables. What, what is it that you are just drawn to that you love? What gives you joy and feeds your soul? What makes you unique? And what is your favorite way to serve? These are really relevant questions. Gifts don't just come. Uh, I guess I don't feel like the gifts of God are given uh, not in relation to who the individual receiving them is. And, um, and so some self-awareness is really a great thing. And when you have a few minutes alone or quiet, which, you know, I had my seven-year-old granddaughter yesterday from four until she went to school this morning. I couldn't think hardly about anything. And, and I wish you could see my house. <laughs> I said, we're all alike. Valentine's all over the table, Duplo's on the floor, coloring stuff in the other room. I thought, this was my life for 35 years. <laughs> So I know you're in a season where it's hard to do that, but I say get away or meet together with a friend and talk about who am I? What do I really love? Because, and I'm going to tell you my story real briefly about who I was and what I loved showed up when I was just a little girl. And it has equipped me to serve in a whole bunch of different ways during the different seasons of my life, but no one would have, I mean, I didn't see that as a gift until a little bit later in my life. So there's who you are, what you love, and um, then what season are you in? And this is going to shape how you serve. Um, I like to think about seasons rather than chapters. Chapters feel like, even though they're leading somewhere, they have a beginning and an end. And seasons kind of flow, and you know this, because you live in Minnesota, and you get a warm day, and you think, oh, spring is here. And then the temperature drops, and it snows 18 inches. But then it gets warm again. And I feel like that's how our lives are as women, as caring for children. It's like, like even Katie said, that... No, did you say Kato, that he's sleeping? Yeah. Oh, we're at a new stage. He's sleeping so much. And then, you know, I'm, don't, this isn't going to happen to you. A month later, they get a fever, and you've got to give them lots to drink during the night, and sleeping through the night is over. They're saying, I like this juice break in the middle of the night. And so it's like we're in a, you're in a season that's going to kind of ebb and flow as far as what's required of you and what you're free to do outside of the caring and nurturing of your family. Um, they don't, seasons don't have hard edges. So your first child begins a season of really intense caregiving and serving and this continues for many years um, perhaps way past when you launch them off to college or to their first apartment maybe you will have a child that has special needs that's going to require caregiving for your whole life long or maybe you'll have a child with mental health challenges that's going to require your support and coming alongside and the really big ups and downs that that adult child is going to experience and you're going to have a pivotal role in supporting them. And you could say, 
I did not sign up for this. I signed up for child rearing, beginning, end. Well, life's just not like that, is it? And, and I think that's, frankly, that's the paradox of Christian life, that there's joy and heartache all the time at the same time. And, and that's why to know the Lord and have him know you is such a comfort because he sees you. He sees you and he knows you. And the kingdom will come in full, but right now it's only in part. Um, so, but that you, um, when your kids are little, you can feel like you're always going to be in that season. And, and it, but it will change. And um, you can use your gifts to meet real needs in every season. It's just going to look different. Um, the great comfort is that you have the Holy Spirit in you and he is leading you. And so you are able to serve in whatever way, whatever level, whatever arena, you're able to serve in the strength that he provides. A book um, that is out of print, but you can still get it on Amazon. I brought three books that are really, were really pivotal to me when I was in your chapter of life. This one is called Real Love for Real Life, The Art and Work of Caring. And I feel like she does such a good job of saying this quiet, behind-the-scenes caring that nobody sees um, is of utmost importance. Whether you're caring for children or elderly parents or someone that is sick or has cancer, maybe is dying, she Oh, you just feel like when you read this is, yes, this is a life. This is a life worth living. And so I really recommend that. If one of you wants to borrow mine, you can. Um, another one is Open Heart, Open Home. This is an old book. Do you remember this book? It's all about hospitality. And hospitality, which is talked about so often in the Bible, is a way that we at this stage of life can serve. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit what it looked like for me for many, many years. Um, but having people into your home, maybe for a meal, maybe for a cup of coffee, maybe for a package of graham crackers, um, is or making a meal that you take to someone. If you just are not up for having people over, you know, my daughter, my oldest daughter, said that she uh, has a friend that once a week doubles what she's making for dinner and just takes it to somebody else. Um, so that's a really good one. Hosp but this book is all about hospitality. One of the things that stuck with me is when someone walks into your house and it's a mess, do not apologize. Because you've suddenly made it about you and not them. So just welcome them in, and it'll help them feel so good about their house. <laughs> Another um, book is by Edith Schaefer uh, called What is a Family? And I really recommend this, too. Talking about, and she talks about the seasons of life. She talks about people coming into your home, you going out to serve, 
she talks about, it's really very, very beautiful and has had a deep influence on me. So there's three books for you. So, um, so who you are is a gift to your family with all your strengths and weaknesses. And you have to remember that all of life is sacred. That we can have an idea that maybe leading worship or leading a Bible study or being out doing something out in the world is of more value, um, especially if it's in ministry. You know, I, I spent 40 years as a pastor's wife, and um, you can think that ministry is sacred work and everything else like taking care of our kids or taking a meal to our neighbor or whatever is secular work but it's not all of life is sacred it all tells a story about God you tell a story with your unique life your unique situation to your unique neighbors and you tell a story that nobody else can tell and it's about God, which everyone needs to hear the story about God. And so that, if you've read anything from the people from Labrie, this is a very strong thing they talk about. So whether you're a scientist or a stay-at-home mom, whether you have uh, a restaurant or if you run a home daycare, no matter what it is, it's all sacred because it reflects something about who God is in a way that only you can do. Um, you're also, um, as you live this out, and you live out the gifts of who God made you to be, your kids are watching this. And they hopefully, and I don't know, I should ask my kids. Maybe Sarah can ask my kids. You know, do you feel like it freed you up to be who you are? Because I was willing to be who I was. Um, a person who loves to cook is going to provide meals or hospitality in a different way than someone that doesn't. An introvert is going to use their gifts differently than an extrovert. An artist will use their gifts differently than an engineer or an accountant. So different seasons allow for different investment. And, and I wrote on here, comparison is death. You know, it's just worthless. It doesn't mean you can't be inspired by someone else or maybe watch someone and say, oh, I want to do that. I, you know, it can have a positive thing, but I've had this problem my whole life looking at people around me who are doing different things or doing things better than me and feeling like kind of a schmuck because I can't do it. And uh, I have limitations that... Oh, and I didn't write down any example, but it's just been one of my weaknesses to compare and, and compare and find myself wanting. Now, what does that say to the Lord? Why did you make me this way? Why didn't you give me a beautiful voice so that I could sing? Why didn't you... I don't know what else. That's when, I mean, it's the public things usually. When we're seeing people do things public that we may say... Oh, I wish I could do that. Or what I, what I, the gifts I have don't matter because I'm not able to do what that person does, you know. And I just think you need. That's one of the re, the gifts you give to each other is affirming in each other how you see God working, and being, you know, thanking each other for the gifts that that you have. 
but and comparison it we all do it but it really it it it'll bring sadness and death to your heart and it's it's about you and that is the human condition isn't it so um you need to know what it looks like for you to be faithful in this season and even the thing of it is nobody gets to do everything all the time and so even if you have maybe a more gift that can be used more publicly you may not always be in that spot and that's not the issue the issue is are you being faithful to where God's called you right now right now um this season will turn to the next and you don't need to know what it looks like here's another text about gifts this is from first Corinthians 12 4 now there's variety of gifts the same spirit there's varieties of ministries and the same lord there are varieties of effects isn't that interesting effects so you using your gift there may be a lot of different ways that it has effect but the same god who works all things in all but to each one to each one that's all of us to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good i just love that you may not feel like you have anything to offer for the common good but god has filled you with his spirit manifested his spirit through you in a unique way for that very reason one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. Um, so God's purposes are being accomplished every moment of every day through you. When I, my story is start, is like right here, I told you I was in that early moms group. Um, but I've always been a maker. I always liked making things. And uh, my mother noticed this and put me in a sewing class when I was like in sixth grade. She was not a maker. Um, and, but it wasn't anything I would have said was a gift. It wasn't anything that, it just was what I liked. I knew what I liked. Um, I married at 19 and put my husband through seminary. And as soon as he was done, we had our first baby uh, at, I was 25. And then my youngest daughter was born when I was 41. <laughs> so uh, my first, my years of child raising in the home were long. That's a lot of years. Uh, when your oldest is 16, when the last baby comes home. Um, I chose to be at home full time with my kids. I always said we went without a lot of stuff, but I can't remember what it was now. <laughs> However, as we got closer to retirement, then I remembered what part of it was. It was retirement. <laughs> but the Lord, it, that's part of why I do what I do now. Um, so, but I never, I've never gotten a, a new couch in my life. I've never had a new couch. Who cares? I have a nice green one that somebody gave me, and I really like it. Um, during the years I was serving my family, I, and I used my creative gifts in small ways to make my home welcoming, to have beautiful things around. I just loved it. I have pictures on my walls. I, I, um, 
I have interesting things around my house because I love it. It's not like I will make this house interesting so as to influence my children to appreciate the art. Well, no, no, it wasn't like that. It was like, oh man, I love tiny things. And so I'm going to have this little shelf of tiny things. You know, it was, it was who I was. And, you know, when you have your own home, you can do what you want. Um, so I use those gifts to create a home and to welcome other people into my home and, and my kids too. Um, I cannot begin. My husband was in ministry. We did college ministry first, then he was missions pastor, then he was executive pastor, then he was, I don't know what they called it the last 20 years or something, but he always has worked with students, always worked for, with people preparing for ministry, either overseas or here. So I can't even tell you how many people I have fed in my house. It's hundreds. Um, and over the years, that's where my focus was. I had to feed those kids too, so I was already cooking. So you can always add a few more. Did you hear somebody when COVID started and all these kids were home and people were working for home and this woman said, these people eat so often. <laughs> she just wasn't used to having people home all the time. So what it was that, it was, I never, I never ate out in, or ate in another person's home all my growing up years. And we never had company. My, do, my dad did not like having people in our house. I don't think he really liked having us in the house. And it wasn't until I met Tom and ate at his parents' family, his parents' home on a regular basis that I actually ate in someone else's home. So it's not like I grew up knowing how to do this. But I learned we wanted to welcome people in. So ordinary meals, ordinary conversation, ordinary family, warmth, welcome, impact. Only God knows. I don't know. I think it was I think it was good impact, but it wasn't for me to measure. It was for me to serve and use my gifts. Um, I also coordinated a monthly meeting for husbands who were preparing for ministry. It met in my home. I learned as I went. But I had a heart for these women who had come from all over the country, didn't have family here, didn't know anybody. I wanted them to have a place where they belonged. And um, so that grew out of a need that I had the gifts to serve. Um, so, and I, and I do think this influenced my children, even my introverted children are able to, you would never know they're introverted if you tried to start a conversation with them because they can talk and they can be warm and friendly. And so they, they all learned to do that, I think, because of the way our um, home was. And I jokingly say my, my spiritual gift is chatting. <laughs> and I think they've been influenced by it. But, you know, like, but they, they would run from it. If they, they will do it if they're in a position where they have to. But it, t it takes a lot out of them, the introverted ones. So as my children grew up, I had chance, other chances to grow and develop the use of my creative gifts. Now remember, I have no training, no credentials. But my friend and I started a homeschool co-op. I taught art. <laughs> what, you know, I said, yeah, I can teach art. And it's because I love to learn. And so, and I love passing creativity on to kids. So in our next co-op, 
I taught art, and I became one of the costume ladies because we did Shakespeare plays. So we bought clothes from Savers, cut them up, and made costumes. Did I have experience with that? No. But I learned, and it was fun, and um, this opened the door for me to teach handwork at River Tree School, which is a little Charlotte Mason school up in... um, in Crystal, and I recommend it to you if you're looking for a school. It is a lovely school. So he hired me with no credentials to teach. It was a really affirming of my gifts. It was really a, quite an experience for me. And so I taught there for several years, and they had Shakespeare plays. Oh, guess what? I knew how to make costumes for kids. And I, made, I even made their black backdrop that they still use, which almost killed me. Sometimes you can have too much confidence. <laughs> they were huge projects, but I only had a couple kids at home. And one of my kids went to that school, so it fit with the season I was in to do these things. And then, during this time, I bought a pair of mittens that were from repurposed sweaters, I gave one pair to you, that green pair, to Kathy Stokes, and I kept, because I felt like I I couldn't help it. I had to buy two, and then I thought, I don't need two, so I gave one to her. And this began a wholly new and unexpected chapter. Up until this time, my gifts had mainly been used in the family and in the church. I began very small, making these mittens. I was captivated. I had to learn to make them. Started making them. People liked them. Made some more. People liked them. I have a friend who, Carolyn Mickelberg, I don't know if any of you remember her. Her husband led, uh, cared for the seniors many years ago. And I said to her once, because I would sit up in my bedroom sewing, and I felt so happy. And I was all alone. I wasn't taking somebody a meal. I wasn't calling to see how somebody was doing. I was just sewing and feeling happy. And I felt guilty. And I said that to her and she said, don't you feel guilty? You don't know what's ahead for you. This is what God has for you right now. Just do it and enjoy it. And she at that time was in her 70s and caring for her husband who had Alzheimer's. You know, her life had gotten turned totally upside down. So that was life-changing to me. And so that, there's two things about that. One is it impacted me and really freed me up to follow how the Lord was using my gifts. It also is a picture how one word to someone with insight and love can make a massive difference. She, she freed me up to do what I'm doing now. And because I had a weird idea that I shouldn't be so happy. Think about that. So from there on in, I applied myself. I walked through every open door that lay ahead of me, um, trusting that the Lord had given me gifts to be used at this season of my life um, to serve others, to glorify him, to bring money into our retirement account, which I had fretted about for years. Um, I still have the flexibility to care for my aging mother, who lives in the downstairs of my house, to care for my grandchildren, one in particular that uh, needs some extra availability. And here's the thing, I've been stretched and grown in so many ways. It's been exhilarating. But it's not like I get to make things all the time. 
that I think is one of my gifts, but oh, when you have a business, holy mackerel, there's a million other things you need to do, like learn how to read a profit and loss and a balance sheet. And I, I mean, I have learned so much. Um, it's just, and it's been a totally new way for me to live out my faith. Whereas in the church, I was with believers almost all the time. I am with non-believers almost all the time. I get to live out my faith. My work gives me a place to stand in this community of people who make things and sell things and buy things. So my personal integrity, my kindness, and the quality of my work are what got me into this club, you could say. And through this, I'm able to build relationships with people who don't know the Lord, and I, it's, been, it's been extraordinary to me. And the thing of it is, this started when I was 54. So this was not on my wavelength at all. But little by little, the Lord was working, and now this, in this season, is how I'm using those gifts. I want to read you something. You know, you all know Proverbs 31. And I always really thought Proverbs 31 was about meeting the needs of your husband and children, which it is. Because um, I just never really read past the, an excellent wife who can find her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. And then at the end, it says, you know, her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, he praises her saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. I just always felt like that was very family. And it's probably because I was so family focused for so many years because of all those kids spread out. But a few years ago, I really read the rest of this proverb. And I thought, this is me. And what I want to show, you know, you don't know, I don't really approve of other people underlining in my Bible, but do you see all this green marking and the post-it note? My youngest daughter, without me knowing it, and I don't even know, maybe it was around my birthday, I don't know. She said, these are the things that stand out to me when I think about you. You're incredible. Now, that was pretty sweet. You know, they've also sometimes said I ruined their life, so. <laughs> but I want you to listen to how this woman worked because she was obviously working outside the home and she was obviously interfacing in the public world. Um, and, and what's funny is that she deals with wool and flax, which is what I do because I make things out of repurposed wool sweaters. But she, it says she looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. That was me at that sewing machine, you know, when my friend said, you enjoy it. She rises also while it's still night. That's you guys. <laughs> and gives food to her household. She considers a field and buys it from her earnings. She plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. She stretches out her hand to the needy, neighbor lady. She is not afraid of snow for her household because she makes mittens. 
Um, all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is of fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. When he sits among the elders of the land, while he sits with the elders of the land, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing. She smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. That is a multifaceted way that that woman was using the gifts that God had given her. It resonated with me and I think made it me feel okay that I had shifted where I was investing my time from here with my pastor husband um, and my children who were now grown and it was just a new chapter for me. So gifts are given intentionally to each one of us for God's glory. Gifts are given to serve others. He's designed you for a reason. Your differences reflect the infinite facets of who God is. And I'm talking to you, all of you. So know yourself. God created you to reflect his glory in a unique way. You have his Holy Spirit in you. Resist the temptation to uh, compare yourself to people who have different gifts or are in a different season than you are. Using our gifts is quite ordinary. And it's going to vary with the seasons of life that you're in. You know, just ask yourself, am I being faithful to the life God's called me to? Um, you can try things. And decide it's not your gift. I did childcare for, I think, two years when my kids were young. And I remember in the May, one of the kids I took care of was uh, Dr. Beckman's and Olivia's little oldest boy, Nathaniel. Um, he, I said to my kids in May, I know God is going to meet our needs. I also know this is not the way he's going to do it. <laughs> I tell you guys, some of you may do childcare. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So, or here's another story that just shows how ordinary this stuff is. My friend, uh, Janelle Schelzel, is taking a Swedish class and she just said, you know, why am I doing this? It feels like a waste of time. It's not, I'm not going to Sweden. But she just felt compelled to take this class that she's been in for a couple years. And about three weeks ago, one of the ladies, she had one of the ladies over for tea, and she knew that she'd had a hard season, and this woman poured her heart out to you. And she listened, and she listened, and she said, I'm going to pray for you. She may have even prayed for them, but I don't think I remember saying that. But anyway, she said, I wondered why I was taking this Swedish class, and I think it was for her. Because then the lady said, I cannot tell you what it meant for me to talk to you. I feel so much more hopeful. Could we get together again? So it's really ordinary. I'll tell you one other story and then I'll be done. I, I remember uh, when my friend's husband had a stroke at work. He was young and he had a stroke and she called and she said, we're on our way to the hospital. I don't know. He might not even be alive. I don't know. And so we were meeting there and I so did not want to go. <laughs> I felt sick to my stomach because of the fear of what I might face. You know, that my friend who I've known since 1980, that 
and uh, her husband might be dead. And I, but I got in the car and I thought, it's not me that she needs. She needs the love of Jesus to draw near. I have the Holy Spirit. I will bring him near to her. That was what I said as I'm driving down to Southdale and really feeling literally sick to my stomach. And I went and I was a presence there. He survived, thank the Lord. His parents were there. She was there. Um, I, had, I didn't have, what was my gift in that moment? It was presence. It was just presence and bringing the Holy Spirit near. So that came from listening to the Spirit. And so pay attention to those little nudges that you have. Um, I think that's all I have to say. I'm thankful that all you guys are in this church, that you're, you're, you're doing this right now, aren't you? You're serving each other. And then you go out and you serve your circles. So I just want to cheer you on and say, keep it up and don't lose heart. So does anybody have any questions? I don't know what time it is. Did I go way long? Well, <laughs> for me, yeah, I'd say there's two things. One is that I'm a little prone to anxiety. And part of the reason my kids are so spread out is because I had a pretty serious bout of depression in there and had to pull way back. Um, so I'm prone to anxiety. So I have some physical symptoms that happen when I'm doing too much, you know, and I don't ever want to get to that point where I really kind of went over the edge. So I listen to that. If I start having those physical anxiety things, I cancel things. I, I, you know, it's just, I've learned that the hard way. Also though, I, if I'm, if I'm doing too much, I don't know if you guys do that. I end up hating everything, you know, including my family and husband <laughs> and my, my church work or whatever, you know, so you have, yeah, you, we have these human bounds and we can overdo it because we want to be seen or we genuinely want to meet needs, but we aren't going to be able to meet every need. So those are the two ways that internally I call it being overdrawn at the bank, the emotional bank that, that I know. Something's got to give here. I can't, I may, have, I may have the ability, I may have the gifts, but I can't manage it, and so I need to pull back. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ.